recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it, it on. So how are you, Mr. Matt Peters? I'm doing okay. I'm uh, doing okay. How are you? You you getting ready I'm to open neck up at the end of the month? Well, yeah. I mean, I hope so. Um, but probably, you know, the last thing will be contact martial arts. And I don't know. You know, we have a lot of listeners, a lot of different places, and um, you know, the the situation is is different in in a lot of locales. But here in New York, we're recovering pretty significantly. However, we're entering you know, uh, the test of, are we going to, are we going to be able to maintain this? And, um, especially considering that they're opening up, um, food, uh, indoor dining to a lower capacity and also opening up schools. And in Israel, the opening up of schools, as I understand it was a catalyst for a second wave. So, We'll see what happens. Um, right now, according to Governor Cuomo and the mayor, to Bill de Blasio, that full contact martial arts are not allowed. Um, there are some, what do you want to call it, speakeasy training sessions or off-the-radar off the training sessions. And I think if it's in a very small pod with people who are the same people, a couple people here and there, um, especially what I've seen is it's done outdoors. I think that's a good thing. Even I met with uh, one of my students and, and rolled and we were rolled in the outdoors. It was just me, him and my wife. And uh, one of the students was very small and same, same group. So we're, we're also not exposed to other people. I'm um, making sure that my exposure is limited because of course I worry about the contact I might have with my mother um, who's a little bit high risk. So if you're in a small pot, it's fine. But opening up a gym, and having a 30 person or a 20 person or even, even more, who knows, class in an enclosed space where everybody's sweating is problematic at this point. And I don't agree with it. Um, if there are gyms that are opening, I just, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, even though, of course, I'm financially hurting. We all are. Um, but you got to, in my opinion, you got to do our part. And um, there's a larger context here that, has to do with people's lives and the issue is um ventilation and this is the thing that we're working on of our academy and other people own academies is that you have to have a certain amount of fresh air coming in and i don't know if you that you've been to radical and we train a lot of the training we do is in the basement area so we have to uh, do some construction work to uh, make sure that uh, we'll have a lot more uh, running current, air current going in, even in addition to the HVAC that we have now. So there's a lot of things going on. I'm hoping that we can open up soon, um, but uh, safety first, always. And what if we open a gym and we do like they do with uh, chicken pox, where everybody has to get it, wait 14 days, you get over it, and then we can we can open the gym. Everybody's already had it. <laughs> the chicken pox gym. <laughs> You know, you know, I heard some very serious stories. Very interesting. Like, COVID's a very sneaky opponent. And, and you know, like, from a martial arts perspective, it's sort of like you respect how sneaky it is and, and how it can affect the body in, in, you know, very different ways and horrible ways. 
you know, um, I had one student uh, who who got it, and he felt fine. He just felt fine. I had another person who 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 got it and was down for three weeks and felt like they were going to die. And of course, unfortunately, I have a, a relative who passed away, and it looks like complications of COVID, though we don't really know for sure. And um, uh, she was in a nursing home. So, you know, it's a lot of different things. Um, they say that people with different blood types have different reactions, particularly O. Um, so if you have an o, o blood type, you have a much uh, milder case. And also, interesting enough, if you've gotten some sort of uh, vaccinations uh, way back when, when you were a child, that, that vaccinations people used to use, um, somehow it, it affords you some sort of uh, immunity or, or, or not immunity, but um, uh, ability to, to fight it off better. But it's a sneaky, you know, very, very um, uh, dangerous opponent and you have to kind of treat it that way. So, um, you know, I've heard stories of people getting it. Athletes, there was one, is a 45-year-old athlete. He's a boxer and uh, he can never box again because his lungs are so shot now that his athletic career is over. So it's very, very sad, you know, like even if you get it and you recover, some people recover and nothing happens. They're fine. And then some people recover and they're never the same again. And you, we don't really know exactly what like I said. We're coming on some of the ideas. I'm not a scientist, so don't, don't, you know, don't use me as, you know, the, your main source of information. I would say, you know, do your research, but we're starting to understand that a lot of factors play into how you're going to react to the disease. And it's not something that we can take lightly at this point. And, uh, and I'm not willing to gamble the, the lives of my students, even though, I'm financially hurting very, very badly that we had to close the academy. Um, thank God our, our landlord is being very understanding and, and we can stay in business, you know, um, at least hope so. Hopefully, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully stay in business. Yeah. Um, otherwise I'll be doing podcasts full time with you and you'll, you'll have to put over me every single day. Oh my God. Come on, COVID go away. <laughs> You're like another bet. No, <laughs> <laughs> no every day which, you'll beat me up. Speaking of which, we, uh, I won the bet again. Yeah, but you can't do anything to me. You're you're miles Sweet away. Feeling of victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even watch it. I didn't watch the fight because I knew I was going to lose. You didn't watch the fight. I, I okay. jinxed Angela Hill. I apologize. You jinxed her. You jinxed Angela Hill. Every time you pick somebody, not every time, but a lot. Most of the time. You know what they're going to have? They're going to have Vegas Matt Peters on. Yeah. So if Matt Peters picks the person, then the odds go down that they win. <laughs> what are you going to do? My gosh. So what are you gonna, gonna, what, what's going to happen to me? We didn't even decide. You said you I had know, a new tool. I I, I, yes, I haven't gotten the mail yet. So you'll see. That's a new, it's a new tool. But, um, but uh, 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 when we go in person, we'll, yeah. we'll have it. We'll collect a, a, a tab. You know, and if you, we'll bet on the next one. If you win the next one, we'll clear it out. How's that? Double or nothing. If I win the next one? Yeah. Oh, if you win the God. next one, then you're, then you're back to, back to, okay. Well, then I'm, 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 uh, I'm looking at the next fight. Um, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll get there when we get there. So yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> How did you? But I saw the fight, and um, and you know, like, okay, so I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but a lot of what I predicted came true. A couple of things I predicted 
I was unfortunately saw it didn't happen. And, um, and some things did. So first, Michelle Waterson had a, a tough two rounds. And I said, if you remember in the podcast, I said, if she doesn't fight intelligently, right, in the first couple rounds and use really training, she, she, uh, she's going to have some problems. And that's what she did. She did not use her sidekick as much in the first two rounds. And she had trouble gauging the distance. And, and Angela's reach was, was a factor. Um, but I thought she was competitive. As the fight went on, she figured out and she started launching that sidekick like crazy. There was one, I mean, I, I hope there's a, a picture of it. There's one where the sidekick just crashes right into Angela Hill's face. I mean, it was like, you don't see that very often, um, a sidekick to the face in, in, in MMA. I think I'm looking at it right Much now. Much more rare. Yeah, and uh, it's a beautiful, I mean, unbelievable shot. I think. I think that's the... A flush sidekick to the face. I haven't seen that for years. That's the first time I've seen that. Maybe ten years. Um, uh, and I mean, you know, that's a very dangerous one. I've I've seen someone get their neck injured really badly from a sidekick to the face. This is in a karate match. Um, in karate, obviously, the kicks there's more kicks and people are a little more bladed out. So um, there's more sidekicks, right? Those are the no takedowns. And I saw someone get kicked and their head snapped back and they almost, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, cracked their spine when they fell. And uh, that person was really, really, uh, you know, dazed and, and hurt very badly for a long time. Thank God it wasn't uh, paralysis, but it was very close to head snap back so far that he had to wear a brace for a little while to recover and, and re-strengthen, but there was no surgery you know, necessary, but uh, the sidekick to the head is a devastating move. You don't see it so much because uh, you have to blade out quite a bit and the nature of, you know, the way MMA works with takedowns and low kicks, people don't blade out as much, but, uh, but that Michelle hit it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. And she also had a lot of sounds like the same sidekick move to the body and to the legs. And it was that sidekick was like the key of her retaking control of the fight. She also, um, Joseph threw a couple, a couple other really karate style kicks. I mean, really, really was fighting a karate style, and um, and so it was Angie's punches versus Michelle's kicks. And and you know, honestly, that was that was what I said was wrong with the fight. So if you look at the stats, uh, Angela Hill um, threw uh, 260 strikes, right? 261 total. Michelle Waterston threw 324 strikes, so almost, you know, quite uh, uh, 60, 60 more strikes. Significant is 128 for Waterston and 131 for Angela Hill. So while Michelle Waterston had a lot more volume, uh, Hill only uh, uh, was out, 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 Hill actually outstruck in significant strikes only by two, though. Only by two. Um, so uh, Angela Hill was hitting the head. So she had 82 strikes to the head, where uh, Michelle Waterson had 65 strikes to the head. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the body it was 40 for Michelle and 45 for Angela Hill. Now, so in all the statistics, um, uh, Angela Hill is a little bit ahead. So 82 to the head versus 65, 45 to the body for Angela Hill versus 45. Now leg kicks, leg kicks the leg, 23 kicks to the leg versus four and 31 tried for Michelle 23 succeed. So, um, the, the name of the game for her was kicking the leg and she just chopped the hell out of that. As I said, I had a little experience of, um, 
training with uh, with Angela, and I know for a fact, also watching her in Muay Thai, because, like, she has a very, very good Thai kick, but she doesn't use them. She does not use them. She becomes basically a boxer who then goes to clinch. And this is why it's, like, easy to kind of, like, figure her out, right? And that wouldn't say easy, but easier, because there's not a, a lot of difference in what's coming. It's, it's two hands and a clinch after that. So um, because, of course, she, she's worried about getting taken down. And I'd heard that she'd done a lot of work in grappling. She'd said that. So I was hoping to see more kicks. And, I mean, when you're one person throws four kicks and the other person throws 23, that's that's a huge difference, right? That's it. Four kicks the whole fight. Only four, four kicks the whole fight. So, like that that meant that Aunt Michelle was, you know, hitting hitting her a lot of things. Also, like a lot of times, the the kick to the leg disrupts you, so the upper body stuff gets in more. You know what a what a kick to the legs do. I mean, obviously they hurt your leg, but they can destabilize and do a lot of things, and um, and they can set up other strikes. So. You know, the, the second round, um, people, people scored the first and the second round for mostly, mostly for Angela Hill. Um, I, I would, I would generally, I would not disagree with that, but it was a lot closer than people thought. So the second round, Angela Hill only had two more strikes, uh, than, than Michelle Waterson, um, versus the, the first round, she only had four more strikes. So the winning by very small number of strikes, right? In the third round, um, while the strike difference is, is, is small, uh, Michelle Watterson only outstruck her by two strikes, but she controlled her and dominated her on the ground the whole time. So Octagon, she took her down and she dominated her and she threatened submission. Threatened, uh, she didn't do as much damage on the ground. I think she should have, but she took her down and she was in control of the position and, and had a, had a, had a good, the entire round was hers. And the Angela was only saved by the bell. And you could tell that she had uh, quite a bit of difficulty, you know, still fighting off her back. And that was that was the thing that I said is that, you know, you know, she has trouble with the ride time. You know, she has trouble when people are on top of her and she can't get out. And um, it was it was a sh- it was a shame that she she, you know, still um, needed needed to you know, work, polish that, that side of her game a little bit more, you know, and then that explains why she wasn't kicking because she's so afraid. Shoot. If I get my leg caught and I get taken to the ground, I'm screwed. But then it's what, you know, we talked about before. It's scared striker syndrome. You can't get your strikes going. If you're always afraid of getting taken out and you're only going to be, you know, take down the fence is important, right? Everybody's like, Oh, you know, like you could be like, and Donna and all these, and they're really focused on take down the fence. Yes, but you're really gonna let loose when you have a good guard game. When you when you're like a good escape from the bottom game, right? When you're like, okay, it takes me down, they pass my guard, so what? I'll escape and get up. Like then there's no fear, and that's why you have to have a well-rounded team. You have to. There's no top fighter that is without a well-rounded game. It just it isn't, you know. Um, and and if, if you know, you could maybe say some people in the heavyweight division, but even still, you know, they they're not they're not in the they haven't won any championships. Like you know, it's people who are winning and consistently winning are well rounded, 
And um, in the fourth, Michelle Watterson took over and she, you know, had uh, more strikes and more initiative. And one thing is, I think the key to this was the kicks allowed also octagon control. And so you could see a lot of kicks. So the Pisao was the key. She kept hitting her with the Pisao as a sidekick to let it's a sidekick, you know, lead sidekick. And she kept hitting her that. And a couple of times she hit her in the stomach and pushed her back. And that led to a little bit of a cardio, you know, like, um, uh, disadvantage. And in the fifth round, she actually, Angela Hill actually had two more strikes than, um, than Michelle Watterson. So there's some people who said that she might've won the round, but she was not, it was really, really like, it was like first and second for Angie, for most people, second and third and fourth for Michelle. And then the fifth was the tiebreaker. And that was, it was kind of a deal, but you're like, whoa, this could, this could, go either way and and definitely michelle was leading but because she had all those south all those side lead sidekicks into or you want to call them the tech, you know from the winning chunk styles right the stop kicks to the leg um you know um she really degraded Mich- uh, and angie's cardio like she wasn't good so so the last round Michelle was pushing the pigs and she pushed, 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 and she was chasing. And a, a, a and and she had some big strikes, including a, a front kick also to the face that knocked Angela Hill's head back and snapped it back. And when your head snaps back, even Angela Hill admitted in the interview, it's like, well, that that's going to look bad to the judges. Whether she said it didn't really rock her, it didn't hurt her, but uh, you know, I mean, getting a hit hit like that and getting your head snapped back, I don't think that's a good thing, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the two, she outstruck her only by two strikes. And the two strikes were really like, right at the end, she hit two elbows. And they were two, they were elbows. But, like, are you going to score a clinch elbow right over kicks and punches? And it's a really interesting, like, thing. How are you going to score? Because, and, and, and we haven't, you know, uh, picked out like like every ref is kind of different. So the thing is, which does to me, which does more damage? Now elbows are to the clinch. I mean the clinch are very 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 good. I mean they're really important. But it's not like they knock guys out all the time. They're but they're really good fight, really good, and they're de- they're devastating. Whereas if you kick someone in the head or you punch them in the head, obviously you know they're, you're going to have a little bit more damage. So you know the the, the doesn't mean, I mean, elbows are important and they can do a lot of damage too, but most of the time they're like cutting or, you know, they, they, they can kind of break your orbital bone too. That's true. But, you know, I mean, how many knockouts have you seen from a clinch elbow? You've happened for sure, but knockouts by kicks to the head, knockouts to the head, it's a lot longer, more. So I would value punching and kicking to the head slightly more than elbows to the head. And the question is, well, then also, how are you going to value leg kicks? And so some people value them the same way they would to kick the body, where eh, that's kind of controversial. You know, like, how would you, how do you, how would you judge leg kicks? What kind of damage are you doing? Um, it's not the same. So I don't have an answer to this. I don't. But, you know, the, I think they just kind of like the governing referee body should clarify, you know, right now it's pretty much up to the judges and you can see some judges really, really count leg kicks hard, 
like equal. Like they're like, wow, this is really, some judges count elbows more and they, they kind of look at their scoring and some judges count only punching, kicking really hard or really, really highly. So it, it's something that we have to clarify, you know? And so I, I had a little disagreement with a student and he said, yeah, you know, I scored it for Angel Hill. And I said, well, I actually scored it for Michelle Waterson. And it's like, well, what criteria are we judging this on? We have to clarify that. So, you know, I don't think if you said, if you said to give it to Angel Hill, I, I don't think you could, you could make a case for that. You could make a case for sure. Um, I, I would disagree, but <laughs> it depends on the criteria. And it's, it's only fair for MMA that we make these, these, uh, um, criteria very very universal and public right not like hey one judge judges this way one judge does the other and there was out of the three judges it was two gave basically gave the the fight it was two rounds to michelle two rounds to uh uh angela and the fifth they gave to michelle two fighters two two judges one fighter uh, i mean one 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 gave it to michelle one gave it to angela and they were split then the other judge actually gave um four rounds out of five to Michelle Waterson and people were like, Oh, that's terrible judging. And, and I had a disagreement with, with, uh, Jilson. Jilson said, Oh, this guy doesn't know how to judge at all. Well, no, but you know, it depends how you see the second round. You know, I think the second round was one where, you know, it was only two strikes. There's only two strikes different, just two. So, you know, what, what, how are we judging those strikes? Which one is more? And so, yeah, maybe you could make a case for that. You have to be clear um, when when these things are very fight. It was a very close fight. It was a very close, very exciting fight. And some people are saying it was the most exciting, you know, female fight they've seen in a long, long time because it was a nail biter. They came down and it was a nonstop action, and they just showed this tr- tremendous heart from both of them. And you you said, you know, Angela Hill has great heart. And she really does, you know, and she really does. And so does Michelle Waterson, you know, really fantastic fight and exhibition of, of great skills from both. That being said, like I said, you know, I think Michelle could have done technically things better. And, um, and you know, the, the weaknesses that Angela Hill has had, um, going throughout her career in terms of grappling, you know, was the decisive factor in the fight. And especially like, I think in the judge's head, there's like, wow, this girl got smoked on the ground. And so, you know, when you have someone who just got completely smoked on the ground, it just stays with you. And like, I wouldn't argue that round three was a 10-8 round, but it was, I would not argue that. But what I would say is that the impression of being completely dominant on your bound when the decision is goes so tight means that they're like, well, you know, the other person's a much more complete fighter, you know? So, you know, you dominate in there. So it's hard to give a win when you know that the person was in the third round just saved by the bell, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's not the ruling criteria, but it, it, it stays in your head, you know? Yeah. It's something that's going to affect you. Yeah. So anyway, that's my opinion of the fight. We, talked, um, fight we talked last week about um, whether or not the five rounds would make a big difference in the fight. Do you think that having the additional rounds was a deciding factor and? Guessing out, maybe? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No question. No question at all. If it had been a three-round fight, uh, Angela Hill would have won. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, she was, she was, it was very, very, very likely, likely that she would have won. Very likely that she would have won. There's absolutely no question. No question at all. If that had been a three-round fight, it would have been a very, very different outcome. So, um, 
And it, it's a shame. I did. It was Angel was. Uh, they they had a, a long time to prepare, right? Or was it? It was a short notice fight. Or I don't I, think I, it was short notice. Yeah. They were put up to the main notice. event. Yeah, because it was on the card yeah. before. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They were just moved up because the main event was the other fight was canceled because right. of COVID or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, this is probably a good thing for Angela Hill. She learned that she needs to work on longevity. So it's better that she didn't win at three rounds and then she'd go into a five-round fight and then lose probably for the title or something bigger. So now she can go back to the back to the gym and work on stuff and come back stronger. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, I think this is her first five-round fight. So, you yeah. know, the experience and had a pace. It could be, you know, I, I'm not in, in Michelle Waterson's head, but it could be like, hey, I, I let, and, you know, some fighters do this. They're like, I'll let them punch themselves out because they don't have experience in the five round fight and then I'll come back stronger in the last three rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen that a few times. They let they let they play a little possum, you know, kind of Ali style, rope dopey kind of obviously it's not rope dope because no ropes, but but that kind of thing, like let your opponent punch him out and then later rounds take over. And it's it's very possible that Orson was trying to do something like that because she I you know probably say, hey, Hill has never done a five round fight before. Yeah. So uh, that's dangerous because Angela Hill has great cardio. So mm-hmm. <laughs> very dangerous, dangerous prospect. So I, I probably not, but but it's possible. Mm, yeah, it's I mean, if possible. she if she was training for a three round fight the whole time, and why oh, would you train for oh, five right. rounds? That's right. That's right. That's right. You know. So before they were moved up to the main event, it was scheduled as a. It was I don't know. It was scheduled as a three round fight, not as a five round fight. Yeah. Think. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Was there any other I fights on the that, yeah. on the card worth uh, talking? Yeah, there were there were a few. Um, um, so it was it was actually um, um, very interesting because in the undercards um, you saw um, a lot of a lot of uh, submissions. It was it was sort of like uh, it went one fight and submission, 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 and uh, uh, I think you know. People were saying for a while that, you know, the submission game is kind of like done and the UFC, blah, 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 all this stuff, right? And you can see it's just not true. The The reason you see less submissions in general is because their people are both equally matched in their in their grappling skill and in the equally matched in their grappling skill are generally equal. And then you know, with the time limit, it's very hard to tap someone out. You know, even I, I even the best, the best submission fighters is that they need a little time to work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's the, 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 the better the guy you're fighting is the more time you need to work. And obviously with three rounds, uh, not always so much time to do that. So, um, so, but what happened was you see in the lower level people, you, you see, um, um, uh, that different, different skill, you know, skills a little bit. And, and one person is not an equal grappler to the other. And you can see it was like, Whoa, this person just got really caught. One of the, one of the guys, um, his name is crew. I, I believe he took the fight on like two days notice and he fought up a weight class. And, um, you know, I think anybody smart would be like, you know, Oh my God, this is, uh, this guy is not going to do well. You know, he, he just, you know, he just did two days, two days notice, 
You know, it's just terrible. Like, it's almost not fair. <laughs> and yet he came out strong and then locked in uh, a beautiful standing submission. And it was a guillotine, but it's very interesting. It's uh, what in my account we call a no-arm bravo. But it's basically a guillotine, but with a rear naked choke grip. So that's why some people call it a backwards rear naked choke. So imagine you're in a guillotine mat, but you have the same grip as a rear naked choke where you're grabbing your say you're choking with your right hand, your right hand will grab your left bicep and your other hand will be on his back or something like that versus, you know, your right hand grabbing your own hand. And that is uh, a game ending, you know, choke. It, it's very, 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 very strong choke. And, um, and he caught him and then the other guy was trying to struggle out, struggle out, struggle out and boom, that was it. It was done. And the fight was done in, uh, it was like, you know, 30 seconds, something like that. It was really fast. And, um, and it was amazing. Amazing. Uh, it was like, wow, that, that's some really beautiful technique there. So that was the one that stood out. And, um, uh, and there were a few others, um, that, that stood out. And, um, uh, I believe it was this, this fight with Roxanne Montferri fought. Um, and she, you know, that girl, all heart. No athletics, <laughs> no <laughs> athletics, but she is a terrible athlete, but it just shows strategy tactics marred with some good technique are more important than athletic attributes. And you're, you're probably, she is the least athletic professional athlete I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen any professional athlete in any sport that was less athletic than Roxanne Monteferi. And to see that her to climb the, the pinnacle is inspirational and fantastic. And, you know, more power to her. She's been fighting for years. She's a real veteran and guts and, um, and heart and, and never quit attitude. And also by all accounts, just a wonderful person and a great sports person too. You know, she's always about sportsmanship and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm always rooting in her corner, but, uh, sometimes when I watch her strike, I'm, I cringe a little. <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to look like that. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> it looks terrible. <laughs> um, but, uh, that was my, my, some, some good fights. Um, but I'm really, really looking forward to the fights coming up. I mean, you know, we, we have, we have some uh, some amazing fights coming up. So first, you know, we have the, this weekend. We have um, uh, uh, what, what's his name? Um, uh, shoot, um, Covington. Yeah, Covington. Right, right. That guy. That guy. <laughs> and, you know, I don't remember his name on purpose because I don't like him. <laughs> but he's excellent. Uh, Tom Woodley, which is of course former champion. Mm -hmm. Amazing fight. Um, of course, coming up, we have some, uh, uh, uh what's it, uh, uh, Justin Gaethje versus, um, Khabib. And, you know, there's just so many really great fights coming up. Uh, it, it's amazing. The, the quality of, of, of 
you know, fighting that, that the UFC is putting on, you know, consistently it, it is unbelievable. You know, obviously not every fight in the UFC is super high quality, but, but the premier, premier fights definitely are worth seeing. And, you know, there's one thing about this Michelle Waterston, um, Hill fight. People, people are like booing it like crazy. Like, Oh, this is a terrible fight. You know, nobody wants to see it. And these two warriors put on a spectacular display that some people were saying it was, you know, so one commentator, I forget which one said it was the best female uh, fight he'd ever seen, you know, wow. like, like, so it was, it was absolutely a fantastic match. And, you know, nobody can say that regardless of who you thought one. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the title would be Kobe Covington one. And, uh, it's an interesting, real interesting matchup. Very, 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 very makes you think. They're very closely matched. So, you know, sometimes fights when they're closely matched, sometimes they get a little bit technical boring. This one's not going to be boring. No. This one, I mean, for the casual fan, I never find these fights boring, right? But for the, it will be, you know, bazooka explosions going on. I mean, mm-hmm. these, these two people are knockout artists and they're, they're not gonna. They're not gonna circle each other the way Woodley and and Thompson did. You know, Covington's gonna get in there. I cannot stand his out of the ring behavior. You cannot take away the fact that he is a very, very skilled fighter who comes extraordinarily prepared, and he is a great grappler. He's a phenomenal striker. I mean, he took it to Kamar Usman. Usman won, but you know that fight was a tight fight until. You know, Kamara broke his jaw, broke, broke Covington's jaw. Um, that that that, that um, Colby Covington is a tremendously skilled combat athlete, and watching him is 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 a privilege. So I want to see him fight Tyron Woodley and see if Tyron Woodley has an answer for it. And my gut reaction is he's, he will not. You know, really? what do you think? What what do you, what do you, what, do you, what who do you have for this fight? Uh, I just don't see Woodley not bringing a whole bunch of stuff to the table and really working hard to shut this idiot up. And he wants to get back on the top. You know, it's been a while since he's yeah. held that belt. Um, yeah. So I think that For he's sure. got a lot of motivation going into this. Um, and whether or not Colby is a is a character or heel or whatever you want to call it for ratings or whatever, uh, I think that on the other hand, Tyron Woodley, you know, needs to shut that up for a lot of reasons. So I would be very hard pressed for me to pick Colby for this fight for a lot of reasons. Um, I, you know, I was watching a lot of Tyron Woodley's old matches and man, they were so good. The guy was moving and this, and that something happened in his, um, training that kind of got him into a slump and you know honestly he became a point fighter i talked about this in one other podcast right tom woodley became kind of a point fighter meaning he's like oh i'm the champ you know if you want to beat the champ you know you want to be the champ you got to beat the champ kind of attitude you know meaning you got to take the fight to me and of course this is not in the rules but a lot of people think that way and he's like okay you got to take the fight to me so i'll i'll lay back counterpunch you in the set. And he was saying that it was more a technical, tactical thing, particularly in the, the Thompson fights. But you could see that his developed a sort of passivity in the way he approached fights 
that did not serve him when he fought Kamar Usman. It did not. In fact, he was like looking for gear that he almost couldn't, couldn't, didn't have anymore. So he's like, oh, here's my kill gear. Oh, wait, it's not working. And that led to a slump. And, um, you know, obviously he's a great fighter. And, um, and you know, for, for one of the fights that I, I talked to about, a absolute beautiful development of leverage and submission is the way he, he tapped out Dan Till, where he did what we call a short bravo. And he did it in a way that most people had never seen before. And you can see the evolution. That technique did not exist 10 years ago. And, um, and you know, probably people are going to call that the Tyron Woodley submission. You know, obviously other people did it. But, you know, he had his own little take on it, his own little ways of doing adding leverage that were amazing. You know, that that's revolutionary. He's a fantastic fighter. But you can't deny that he's been in a little bit of a slump. And he's not this fighter that he was in terms of taking the initiative in the, in the, in, in the match and kind of taking it to the fighter. And I don't know what happened. Maybe he's spent a little too, too much time not training or this, that, but I tend to think it's his pool of training partners. And to remind me a little bit of what happened to Brock Lesnar in that Brock Lesnar surrounded himself with training partners who really were not challenging enough to him. So I think Tyron Woodley is like needs to put himself in a in a room of absolute killers who can take it to him and beat him every day, and um, and have him you know kind of live up the Vegas. And I, I I just don't see it. The other thing, other possibility is, you know, he doesn't really wrestle as much as he used to. Um, and it seems to me like he's like, okay, now I'm going to wrestle and it works sometimes, does, but it's not like, it's like, I'm going to strike now. I'm going to wrestle. It doesn't seem to be as seamless as it used to be. And I would like to see what's going on in his training camp and with his partners. Cause I think there's a little bit of a problem there. Um, and, and, you know, the other podcast we talked about people leaving camps and, and, you know, uh, if it'll help you or if not, and, you know, some, most people blame, their own, own mistakes on their trainers and they leave or this or that, which it's actually themselves. But in this case, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's a trainer, but it's, it's possible. But I think also the environment might be good to do it way back when what Tito Ortiz did. Tito Ortiz was a very smart guy. And, you know, regardless of what you thought about him, people don't know he's one of the first, you know, UFC champions and uh, really the highest level of ground and pound at the time. He won all sides tremendously. But what he would do is he would do what boxers did. And, you know, MMA guys don't do this, right? But he would do what boxers did. And he would rent out a cabin in Big Bear. But Big Bear is outside of, you know, the rural parts of California, I think outside of LA or, you know, one of those areas where you go up, it's this mountainous, camping area you rent a cabin there and you just train and um he would rent they would they would set it up for training and he'd bring his whole camp up and that's how we would train there and he would divorce himself from everything outside of the real world and he would just train in big bear in, in an isolated camp with training partners who were very very challenging to him you know and that's um it wasn't like his regular gym you know he brought in people and that boxing mentality served Tito Ortiz very well. You know, he's like, I will pay for training partners 
and I will you know, hire you for three weeks, and you come and you spar me. And that's how boxing works. It's not how MMA works. MMA works. You're at American Top Team, or you're at AKA, and you just go and train at your team, and that's it. You go to go to class, like you any all like recreational martial arts do. They you know go to their class, and and you know sometimes people go like George St. Pierre would go to Winkle John's for you know three weeks. Or sometimes he'd go to wild card gym, the boxing gym for, you know, a couple of weeks and, you know, yeah, he would refine a couple of things over here and there, but basically it's the same thing. He's just going to gym. It wasn't like he isolated himself the way boxers do, the way Muhammad Ali did, the, you know, um, the way Pacquiao does, does more recently, you know, or, um, um, what's his name? The, the Mexican one with the red hair. <laughs> I always forget his name. He's Mexican, but he's Mexican. Um, <laughs> Anyway, my brain is just terrible these days. But, um, but, you know, they isolate themselves in these camps. And there really are camps. That's, you know, I think probably where the word camp came from, because you actually went to a camp, you know, versus the MMA thing is like, no, you just train, you do your camp at your gym, like always. And I think Woodley should do that. He should hire totally different people who he doesn't train with and say, your job is to kick the crap out of me for the next three weeks. And, um, and, and that's actually how Colby Covington got started as a hired, you know, um, as a hired, uh, uh, sparring partner. But again, he did that it wasn't like, you know, isolated, things like that. You know, um, that's how Colby Covington got started. That's also how Kamara Usman got started. They were, they hired, um, partners that people brought in to, to wrestle. So, you know, it's not, not the, the hiring of sparring partners is, is, of course, exists in MMA, but I'm talking about like someone you absolutely don't know, but especially someone who is an MMA fighter, not just, you know, a wrestler, someone who really, really could give you a lot of hard work. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just something with Tyron Woodley. I think he, he kind of like went into a, a funk and I don't know how he's going to get out. So I'm really bullish on uh covington for this fight i really am um but that being said i hope covington loses (laughs) (laughs) but my gut tells me that covington is gonna be more dominant i haven't seen uh i haven't seen woodley um out and about in a while so i'm not sure how he looks and how he's feeling but yeah i can't pick Uh, i mean i thought it was gonna be a hard decision i thought we were gonna both fight over woodley but looks like we're split over here we're split, and I, I really, I, it, 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 it makes me feel dirty for picking Covington. <laughs> I just want to take a shower. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I feel like I've gone to the dark side or something. Um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think, um, I think Covington's going to have it. I think, and then this is, a, but this is a test for Woodley. You know, if he does poorly in this, you know, his chance of recapturing the title. Very slim. It's very slim. Extremely slim. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one of those those moments, and I think he realized it. So your analysis is absolutely correct. Like, this is a make-or-break moment for him, and it's a high-drama fight. You know, like, aside from their both being very technical fighters, the drama surrounding They hate each oh other. God, yeah. They absolutely hate each other. I mean, man, you know, it's really bad. And yeah. Colby comes into such... You know, everybody hates him. And and uh, and and also they have some beef from before too, because they are the same team. They're just satellites. So Woodley 
is American top teams as well. And um, just, I believe, you know, uh, different, different uh, location. And, um, you know, they had, they had, you know, had some interaction before that, that I understand, you know, we're not, you know, positive. So there's the personal beef, there's the, the fight height beef, and then there's the drama of, you know, is, 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 will, how will we reincarnate himself? Will he come back like a phoenix, you know, from the ashes, you know, come back and, and start another run for the title? Or is he going to be a, you know, middling top 10 guy who is always a gatekeeper, you know, and never, you know, never going to, you know, reach those heights of the challenge again, you know, it, 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 and, and, and of course, if, if Covington wins, you know, he'll be on that thing to fight Kamar Usman once again, you know, um, uh, it's, it's very exciting, very, very exciting. And I'm, I'm really, really psyched, psyched to see it, especially because it's going to be very, 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 very technical match. You know, it's two really excellent fighters. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like, yeah. like way back when I used to, I used to hate Shell Sonnen, you know, but, cause he just talk his way into fights and then he could never deliver. Man, the thing about Kobe Covington, he talks, but he delivers. Yeah, he delivers Sorry. crap. Um, <laughs> verbal diarrhea. <laughs> uh, we can't ignore the uh, co-main event, Cerrone versus Price. Although I, I'm picking Cerrone right out of the gate. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I hope Cerrone wins. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a tough one to call, though. So Nico Price is actually a very interesting guy. He is one of these. I think we talked about it. He is one of the most unorthodox ground and pound victories, TKO victories I've ever seen. It was from bottom uh, position where he had what we call the half shin spider. So picture one of your shins pushing up against the guy's chest to make space to stop him from ground and pounding you. So he, Nico Price was on the bottom and they used that shin leverage and he held the guy's hand with one and then hammer fisted him to the temple oh, with the other and wound up knocking him out. That's poor Randy Brown. Yeah, he's that's a right, friend, of the, that's right, friend of the podcast. He's been in here a couple times. Poor Randy. Oh, really? Brown. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah d- have you spoken to him about it? Uh, not. I didn't feel comfortable enough bringing up <laughs> how do those hammer fists taste. <laughs> uh, but he was a very nice gentleman. Um, he's a big guy. Seems it. Seems it. Yeah, yeah. And he trains out of Brooklyn, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's a though. Um, and uh, yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's highlight. Good, it's, good. it's it's bad to be on a highlight reel, but on the on the wrong side of that highlight reel, you know, you're always going to be on like exactly. those UFC compilations. It sucks being on the wrong side of someone's yeah. highlight reel. You'll see it for the rest of your life. <laughs> and you know, I don't, I don't know. It must be awful when that highlight reel gets a huge amount of play. You know, like there's there's a couple like that. I wonder where, how many views this video has on YouTube. <laughs> a lot i'm sure eighty-one thousand, which is less than i expected yeah yeah, yeah. but there's, there's a couple that the ufc when they want to hype a fight there's like you know you'll see you'll see that that highlight reel kind of finish and you're like oh like mm-hmm. the one with habib where he's playing the guy over and over again you're like man i've seen that i've seen that video probably myself a hundred times mm-hmm. you know like in the highlight reel because the ufc is always playing it i'm like 
forever you're, you're going to be linked with Khabib suplexing. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're the guy Khabib threw into Nevada. Across the same line from California to oh, Nevada. Gosh. That's funny. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. Uh, there was uh, a yeah. Bellator, Bellator last weekend, and we don't have to talk about all the fights, but there was one uh, that made me happy. Um, you know, the, Which one is that? Dan- Madrid versus Casey. Oh, oh! Uh, I didn't see it actually. Oh, I didn't watch it either, but he lost. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, you know, it was it was a tough fight. It was it was a tough fight. The other guy had um, a lot more fights than, than Pat Casey, and and Pat Casey's a game fighter, and it was a split decision, I believe. You know, it was yeah. very very close fight. I didn't see it. I talked to G about it, and and it's funny that um, you know you you would think that uh, you know. Uh, you know, maybe if you fought someone, you know, that you might have some bad feelings to them and you want them to lose, but, but that's not the way it is. You know, uh, Pat Casey is a wonderful gentleman. He's a wonderful person and he is a great fighter. And we were really hoping that he would win because we wish, wish him the best. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's just a great gentleman who does, does in his private life, he does a lot of really awesome things. Um, uh, like to help um, injured people, injured and, and uh, uh, special needs people, and he's just a great dude. So um, we're really hoping he'd pull that one out. Have Unfortunately, you, it didn't. Have you learned nothing? Okay. Have you learned nothing from Colby Covington? You're you're way too nice. <laughs> nothing, actually, nothing. I do not want to learn anything, <laughs> especially especially when it comes to to say to taste in suits. Yeah. <laughs> you see or, or hats. Yeah. yeah, hats. I mean, mm-hmm. that, but the, the quality of his suit is so—it's so cheap. It's so disgusting. <laughs> like, dude, would you get that from like, you know, like a costume store or something? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, he's playing a gangster. Yeah, right. he probably did. Maybe. Yeah. All right. So I picked uh, Woodley. You picked Covington. I picked Cerrone. We both agree on that one. Yeah, you know that's an interesting one. I, I can't. I don't. I can't have a pick. It's too close. Oh. Um, Nico Price is very interesting. What I'm saying is very interesting in that he has an unconventional but slightly undisciplined approach to jiu-jitsu. Now, his jiu-jitsu is very good, but it's undisciplined in that um, – okay, do you ever see that commercial um, for the dog biscuits where the dog is like, bacon, 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 mm-hmm. bacon? You know, you know that commercial where mm-hmm. the dog goes crazy because he thinks it's bacon? That is what I mean by undisciplined jiu-jitsu, right? And everybody has it, myself too, right? But you see it, you're like, oh, oh there, it is, there it is, there it is, and you kind of like rush instead of taking your time, and you do a more speed and attribute-based game rather than, you know, kind of letting this, this thing come to you, right? The highest form of submission is when the submission comes to you, right? The highest form, right? We're really using the principles of action, reaction, and movement and flow and angles to allow the, the thing to lock in without effort. You know, the, that's the whole goal. And I feel that Nico Price is, oh, no, understands that and is capable of doing that, you know. But sometimes he, he doesn't go on that plan. He fights more like a catch wrestler, which is a much more attribute-based way of grappling. And, um, and that's what works against him. That works against him. And Cerrone is a very, very detailed, a very, very technical grappler. 
I think he's underrated in grappling. Um, so, uh, and, and it's also, he's, he's, you know, Nico Price is also it's the same thing. He's kind of an undisciplined striker, even though he's very good. He's very good, but he, he walks off the, like, hey, here's technique. Now I'm going to just throw bombs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that. Remember that um, Cody Garbrandt, um, Pedro Munoz fight when they're both really technical, and then they both decide, well, I'm going to stand in front of you, and you're <laughs> going to stand in front of me, and we're just going to throw bombs. You know, like, we're not going to think about technique here. We're right. going to, like, do a tough man contest. And it seems like Nico Price sometimes does that. So if he does that against Cerrone, I think Cerrone pick him apart. But also, Cerrone's older. He's a very slow starter. Nico Price is not a, as much a slow starter. And so it's, it's a really tough, you know, it's been a tough time for Donald Cerrone. It's been tough, right? You know, um, I really hope he takes it. Um, I hope so. And again, it's one of those like make or break fights, you know, where um, he's coming back from the Connor loss and, uh, and he lost another one right after that. Was it? I forgot. But, but um, you know, it, it's, it's a tough time in his career. So I hope he takes it. But uh, we'll see. All right, a lot on the line for this coming weekend. I don't have weekend. a prediction for that one. That one's too close for me. Too I, close I to call. Like a, it's a, yeah, too, too. Uh, it's I don't know. Though I, I really hope so. You know, I, I like Nico Price too. I don't know. But, you know, I like them both. Yeah, it's a run. He's on a four-loss streak. Ferguson, Gaethje, McGregor, Pettis. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I definitely <laughs> hope he wins because <laughs> yeah, I don't know what is going to happen yeah, then after I, that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that, yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, hey, did you hear that Michael Chandler uh, signed for the UFC? Who's Michael Chandler? Michael Chandler is one of the top fighters. You know, I'm very happy that you don't know Michael Chandler <laughs> because cause Bellator sucks. <laughs> oh, we're never going to fight Bellator because it's, yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> no, but, but uh, Michael Chandler is, um, is one of the top guys in Bellator. And let me tell you, he's one of those guys that you always, you know, you know remember when we were kids and we're like, oh, what if, you know, DC fought Marvel? What if Superman fought the Hulk, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and, you know, cross promotional MMA is like that. It's like, Oh, what if, um, you know, uh, Fedor could make it to the UFC and fight Brock Lesnar. Oh my God, that would be amazing. You know, like we're always thinking like that. Right. Um, what if, you know, uh, this fighter who from one, you know, uh, on, on, I, I can't pronounce it. I'm sorry, but he's a really, really, really good, um, uh, uh, my Myanmar East fighter. What if he came over to the UFC? Right. Okay. So you know, of course, you have these like dream matches that are cross promotional, and Michael Chandler was one where uh, there's there's a few guys in Bellator where you're like, wow, I really wish that he would go to the UFC and and uh, and see what how he does in the UFC because he is a steamroller in in the in Bellator. And he's just, he's just amazing. I, I really like the way he fights. He's very, very good, very technical. And, um, and he just signed with the UFC. So we're going to see it. And it's amazing. Really, really happy. Another guy, oh, and this fight coming up, we have the, um, uh, the fighter, his last name is Chimaev. And actually, G clued me on to him to start watching him a while ago. And he's Khabib number two. You know, this guy coming up, and I really want to watch him. He's the next one. People are like, I'm not sure if I'm on the Chimaev hype train yet. Man, I am on the Chimaev hype train. This guy has won so many fights. He had a fight recently. We, we talked about it on the podcast. 
but he had a fight where it was like, um, you know, very, very short notice fight. And they won. And then they called him up like a week later for another short notice fight. And he won oh my again. God. Yeah. He fought on <laughs> July 15th and July 25th. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. Well, he's fighting this weekend. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And then he is great. And he, again, he's the first fighter who, who is like, his understood it's the post Khabib fighting meta. So the way you approach MMA now is different. The meta is different. Khabib is thinking about MMA in a different way that is, that is significantly involves the, the way to approach takedowns and how to throw someone and how to uh, uh, use that to, uh, uh, to maximize your chance for ground and pound. And because in wrestling, the meta is to throw him to your back. In MMA, the meta is to hurt the guy. So I don't need to throw him to the back. I need to destabilize him and really focus on allow, almost allowing him to get up so I can punch him. Because if I'm so focused on holding him down all the time, I can't punch him. And his, and also, I want to take his back and choke him out. So he really wrestles like an MMA wrestler. And whereas, like someone like Daniel Cormier, eh, it's, it's hard to say, was a great wrestler. Even John Jones, you know, fantastic wrestler. Even Henry Cejudo, right? These amazing wrestler, obviously, but they wrestle like wrestlers. Where they, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's really good, you know. But they put you on your shoulder blades. They put you on your back. Now, of course, Khabib can do that. But in his last fights, most of the time, he doesn't put guys on his back. He doesn't care about putting you on your back. He wants you to kind of turn and try to get up. He wants you to, to kind of give up your back a little bit, you know, so that he can hit you or choke you out. And he's changed the way people think about takedowns. And takedowns, a part, partial takedown is actually more valuable to him than a full takedown. And Shemayev has copied that style. I, I don't know if he developed it on his own, is it, if it's a Russian thing, uh, you know, Russian Sambo thing, because I think Shemayev is also a Sambist. I don't know if it's, it, 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 I don't think so, because I've seen lots of other Sambo fighters don't, don't fight like that. Don't fight like that at all. But he reminds me of that, of the Khabib meta. And that's, and he's doing it, and he's doing it with tremendous success. So, you know, it, it's wonderful to see him. He actually doesn't train in the Soviet Union, even though he's, he's uh, a former Soviet Union, you know, uh, area. That's where he's from. I don't, I don't think he's actually Dagestani, but I'm not really sure. I don't know. But he actually trains in Sweden. So he trains in a completely different area, different team, nothing. But he fights the same way, which makes me think that he did a lot of study of that style and, and is, is mimicking it. And and that's the way I see it, too. I mean, because Post could be better, and then more people are going to fight like that. Mm -hmm. And I want to see him fight, and I think he's going to do incredibly well. And he's like that breed of fighter that um, that is is well rounded, and you know, um, and is, is you know, going to revolutionize MMA to another level, right? And you know, and, yeah. and adopting the Khabib strategies, but taking it hopefully even further. Interesting. Yeah, he was born in Chechnya, but is uh, calls Sweden home. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and it, it's Chechnya, like, you know, I, I'm not an expert in the former Soviet Union republics, but, you know, to us, you know, oh, it's it's all Russia, but it's not like that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a Chechen, if you're Dagestani, 
it's like saying you're from England and another person's from Turkey, you know, like they're very, you know, they're very different places. And, and, uh, and so, you know, culturally, linguistically, um, you know, and uh, historically, you know, there, there, of course some similarities, but, but, uh, they're, they're different. So, um, that, that's what makes me feel that, you know, more that he is emulating Khabib style than he was trained in the same way. Mm. I don't think he was trained in the same way. I think he was, he really looked at the tape and said, Hey, I'm going to do it like that. This is what I'm going to do. You know? So it's fascinating. Right. Absolutely fascinating. A lot of you stuff know? to look really, at this weekend for sure. Yeah. 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 It's a great card. So, um, so we have a bet you pick Woodley, I pick Covington and it's double or nothing. <laughs> I still don't know what happens to me if I lose because uh, you're being very vague. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'll ever actually see you face to face again. Really don't want to know. I'll just make up you stuff really like, oh, you can't come in. Uh, COVID, you can't come in. Let's do it over the phone. Uh, <laughs> COVID, can't can't do it. Yeah, it's over. We shut down. We're closed. Sorry, um, but I feel good about this one. I feel good. Although I felt good about pretty much every other one as well. So we'll see how that shakes out, and then uh, I look I, forward to my. You if you're looking to make some money, pick the opposite of whatever I pick. Yes. So I look forward to the uh, 1230 at night uh, text messages mocking me. Um, <laughs> I do not Saturday. mock you. Mm. I'm going to screenshot them. No, actually, I won't be watching it on Saturday because oh. I'm celebrating a friend's birthday. So I will actually be watching it on Sunday. Well, then I'll be so mocking I'll you on Saturday. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me a text. You watch. <laughs> Tell me what happens. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens, and we'll connect next week and share that with everybody, what punishment I receive. receive. Uh, I'm sorry, Tyron Woodley. Apologies. <laughs> okay, my friend. It was mm. a pleasure. Thanks, I can't man. wait. See you later. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Got a radical martial arts...